following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. The new year is one of my favorite times of year because it feels like a, a time of anticipation. It is like an empty notebook to me that there are new horizons, there are new things that we can uh, experience. And so um, I have much anticipation for new year. What I don't have is any resolutions because how many of us know they don't actually really work? I mean, really. We, we make a resolution, and it's really an opportunity for us to kind of feel like we failed, like, the next week or, you know, whatever. But I do make intentions. I do come into a new year with intentionality and things that I want to be intentional about. And so I wanted us to do that a little bit together as a body today. I'm treating today a little bit like a Vision Sunday that we would have an opportunity to talk about and have intention together around some of the things we want to do as individuals, but also some of the things that we feel called to as a body that is running together, as a body that we find ourselves running our race, and oh look, there's Betty. She's running with me. Oh look, there's Cherish. And we're, we're running, and we find ourselves side by side. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and give us some vision for that because I believe that the Lord wants to have a conversation with us about it. I believe the Lord wants to have a conversation with you about some of the intentions and the things in the year ahead. And so I just want to frame that a little bit as we talk today. One of the things that I find... even as it relates to talking about sort of a vision Sunday, is that I am less interested in vision and resolutions, and, and I'm more interested in just knowing that I'm being obedient to the Lord. The reason that I want to know what the vision is isn't so that I can feel like I've achieved some great thing or so that we can feel like we've achieved some great thing or we can validate what we're doing, or you know, if that we can measure some kind of success. The reason I want to know what the vision is, his vision is, so that I can obey him in that, so that I can go after the things that he's putting before me, so that he can say, hey, here's something I want to do on the earth. Will you partner with me in it? And so when I'm talking about vision, I'm not talking about some strategic plan. I'm talking about what is the heart of the Lord for the, the race that we're running right now? What is the thing that, that not only is he inviting us into, but giving us the grace to do and to walk in? It's an invitation more than it's an obligation. There's a, something that's happened for me over the last year or so I tended to have in my heart this desire, and I don't know, it might have been that one youth conference I attended, or who knows, but I've had in, this, in my heart this desire that said, I want to do great things for God. 
I want to do great things for God. I, I want our church to do great things for God. And there has something that, there's been something that shifted in me from that desire and that longing and that pursuit because how, how many of you know, how is that measured? How is that measured? What do we, when we say, I want to do great things for God, we picture something. We picture some pinnacle success or growth or whatever. But something in me has shifted from that longing and that desire, which sometimes means I'm doing things for God. You thought I was going to fall, didn't you? I did too. Uh, sometimes it means we're doing things for God, but not with God. And so something has changed in me that's it's no longer about, I want to do great things for God. It's, I just want to know that I did my assignment. I want to know that I did my assignment. Because that's the great thing that we do for God. That Not that I did something for him, but that I did something with him. And that I did the thing that he asked me to do. Not the thing that I created that I think is the great thing for God. And so when we talk about vision, that's what we're talking about. That we would know that we did our assignment. I just want to do my assignment every day, all the way until the end. That's the longing that the Lord's put in my heart. And so how, what does that look like? What is that? How do we know that we're doing our assignment? What does, what does that look like? The scripture I want to focus on today is Hebrews 12. All of you think that we're signing you up for a race. We kind of are. Wouldn't those make great t-shirts? They're awesome. Way to go, Dan. Okay, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today I want to talk about the race set before us, or in some translations, the race that was marked out for us. This is not the only place that it talks about it in the New Testament, or Paul talks about it in the New Testament, but there is a race that has been marked out for us. There's a race that has been marked out for you individually. There's a race that's been marked out for us as a, as a corporate church body to run after. God has marked out a race for us to run together in this time. And part of the reason that we look to vision or to having vision is because how do you run the race if you don't know what the vision is. In Habakkuk, it says, write the vision down that he who reads it may run. There's a, there's a place of having before us what is the race that's marked out for us. And so today we're going to talk about individually, what does the Lord want to tell you about the race that's marked out for you? And as a church, what does the Lord want to tell us about the race 
that is marked out for us. We need to make sure that we have freedom to run our individual race. I think there's times when we can see the way that someone else is running or, or the, the speed they run at or the pace they run at or the, where they're running or how they're running or the shoes they wear when they're running or whatever it is, and, and we, we say, oh, I need to run like that. And we begin to compare the way that we're running with the way other people are running. Or we compare, like, why do they get to run there, but I have to run here? And we can sometimes, the, the, the walk that we're walking with the Lord, we can begin to compare and compete. And the reality is, the Christian life is a race, but it's not a competition. It is a race that we are running together in unity. It's not a competition with one another. In, in Scripture, it says we ought not compare ourselves to one another. Can I encourage you, as you're finishing out the year and you're starting a new year, not to look and compare yourself with other people? Don't compare the leg of race you just ran with the leg of race someone else just ran. Don't make decisions about your life and what you're going to do in the year ahead because of some, how someone else is running. In the age of social media, this is very difficult because people are posting about how they're running all the time. Oh, look how they're running. It's only a 30-second clip. <laughs> but we sometimes compare ourselves and we compete with that. We can do that as, goodness gracious, we can do that as churches where we look at the way another church is running the race and we go, oh, we should be running like that. But we have a race that's marked out for us. You have a race that's marked out for you. And the truth is that the goal is the same. Love you. Are we good? We're good. Okay. The goal, this is my race right now, I don't know. <laughs> The goal is the same. The finish line is the same. We're running in the same direction, but the race is very different. The conditions are different for, for us than other people. The pace might be different. We might run at a different speed. Right now, I am running alongside people that are in a different lap than I'm in. There are people that I get to run with that have been running before I could even walk. And so sometimes we can compare and compete and go, well, they should be running like this. And yet they've been running from, from before the time you could walk. We need to honor the way that the Lord has individually called us to run our race. Part of our role, then, is not to compete and not to compare, but to cheer one another on. To say, you're doing great. I love the way you're running your race. And what a blessing that we can run together sometimes. But when we can't run in all the same things together, when there's aspects of someone else's race that's different than mine, I get to cheer them on. I get to encourage them. So we're, we're in different 
places in our race. Look around the room for a minute. Or if you're watching from home, consider other people and that you know. All of us are at different places in our race. But we're all running. Some of us are in early laps and some of us are in later laps. And, but we're all running. This verse that talks about the race, it starts with, therefore. So you know what we have to do. We don't ever see a therefore without wondering what it's there for. What I find interesting, and I'm going to have you read this maybe on your own this week or whatever, the chapter before chapter 12 here in Hebrews is kind of a hall of faith. It goes through all of these, this great cloud of witnesses, people who ran their race before we ran our race. And it says, they by faith this, and by faith that. And, and it talks about their race. It, the, the finish line was the same. But each individual story has its own race. Noah's race was different than Moses' race. Rahab's race was different than, than anybody else's. And so right before he starts talking about the race, he's talking about the uniqueness of each individual race, that this, the goal is the same, but that the race is different. The run is different. The landscape is different. And we need to honor that in one another. But that goal is the same. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul is talking again about a race and a fight. And he says, just before he's going to be dying, <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's the finish line. <laughs> that's, that's the run that we're after. That's the pursuit that we would be able to come to the end and say, I have kept the faith. I have stayed in it. You know, the, the scripture does not say, run with talent the race set before you. Run with excellent skill. Run with amazing steps and buoyancy. It says, run with endurance. Run with perseverance the race that's set before you. And sometimes I think we get a little concerned about what we look like running the race, more so than just the, the endurance of, of pursuing the prize of Jesus. We want the race to look like it looks on other people. But it's our unique race. Keeping the faith is a different race for each person with different obstacles and a different course and a different path. And we want to honor that. So the goal is the same. The race is unique. If we were to examine what is the race set before us as Living Waters Church, what are, what are some of the ways that we run the race? I, <clears throat> I believe in 
uh, in a week in, on January when we have a time of worship. This is one of the things that we're going to be sort of exploring in prayer. We are going to pray into that we, the body of Christ, would run the race with endurance. One of the aspects of that is throwing off every burden or encumbrance and the weight of sin. And I believe we're going to pray into that together as a body. And we're going to submit that to the Lord and we're going to ask him to help us throw off the distractions, to throw off the encumbrances, to throw off the sin that in scripture it says easily entangles us. We're going to be praying into that. There's something that, that happens, as, as unique as each of our races are, there's something that happens when we all run together in the same direction, which we are. <laughs> there's a momentum that happens. I don't know if you have ever, I suppose it depends on how old you are, I don't know if you've ever done uh, in an above-ground pool where you make a whirlpool. How many of you have done that? Okay, so the rest of you can imagine. So you have an above-ground pool because then you're all able, you're kind of at the same height. And one kid will shout, whirlpool! And we all start running in the same direction. I haven't done this for a really long time. We all start running in the same direction. And after a while, it is carrying us. It's, it's at first there's like a, some effort put into trying to get the water to move and then it just kind of carries us. There's a momentum that happens. But there's a bit of effort at the beginning of all kind of slogging in the same direction until that momentum begins. And I feel like that's an invitation of the Lord. Slogging might not be the right word. <laughs> but there is a there is an invitation of the Lord to, as a body, get some momentum towards the goal. To get some momentum in, in running in the same direction towards Jesus. <laughs> in our keeping the faith in this leg of our race. There's a synergy that happens where one, what you're doing and what, what, how you're moving actually helps also carry me along in what the Lord's doing. I believe this is something he's doing in the body of Christ at large. If we all just kind of run randomly around in different directions in the pool, it splashes a lot, but there's not a momentum that we get to have that carries and that moves us forward. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about running a lot. I don't know, like he was a CrossFitter or something, I'm not sure. But Paul talked about, I don't run aimlessly, but I run with purpose and I discipline. And there's, there's something that I believe that the Lord's calling us into, that we would run the race set before us with vision, that we would be in it together. If this is your home church, I believe the Lord has called you, yes, to your individual race. A huge part of the calling on this church is to make sure that believers run their individual race, that we get behind them and we encourage them. But there's a reason that he brings us together 
in our, in our course, in our path, that he has some things for us to run in together and to create momentum in, to go after. So here are some of the things that I believe, these are things we're already pursuing, these are things that are already values for us, but here's one of the invitations I believe that the Lord's giving us, and it's really the primary thing that we're after, and that is encounter. <laughs> that we are a people that, is go that are going to make space and place for the encounter with the Lord, for his presence. His presence is a primary call, I believe, on the church at large, but on this church. That when people come here, they would say, I've encountered the Lord. This verse talks about running the race that's set before us. And then in verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's why presence has to be first. That's why presence has to be our priority. Because that is, that's how we run the race. We run the race face to face with God. We run the race with our eyes fixed on him, not on what's happening over here, not on what's happening over here, but with our eyes fixed on him and on his presence. One of the things that we can go after together is that we can say we will be a dwelling place for the Lord. We will be a dwelling place for the presence of God as, as a body and in what we cultivate here together, but also as individuals and in what we cultivate in our, our, own, our own walk with the Lord, in our households. Can we say, my household will be a dwelling place for the Lord? This church will be a dwelling place. My small group will be a dwelling place. That anything that anybody does with living waters, that they would say, I felt the presence of the Lord in that. That we can recognize that people need the presence of God more than they need any program we can create. That the life of the church is not in the programs of the church, but it's in the presence and that means our practices are going to be presence-based. The things that we, as we move in one direction, the primary aspect is, are we encountering God in this? Are we providing an opportunity for people to encounter God? On a Sunday morning, I want us to always come. <laughs> Nobody is longing for me or the word that I'm going to bring. Not one sermon that's ever been preached here has changed anybody's life. It's the presence of God that people are longing for. Do you understand? It's, it's, we, we do these things, the structure we create, the, the, the time we have in worship and the bringing of the word is for the sake of people encountering God. And so we will frame what we do around giving those opportunities. That's why we will sometimes give space for you to encounter the Lord on, on a particular 
topic as we come out of worship or because we don't ever want to walk away and not say, oh, I encountered the Lord. When you come to church or to anything, I want you to have an expectation that you're going to encounter the Lord. Have a desire that there would be something stirred in us. When you read your, the word at home, when you take your time and you're going to be in the word, come to it saying, I'm going to encounter the Lord in this. Can we go after that together that will become a dwelling place, that his presence will be our priority? Because that's what people need. That's what they're looking for. Another aspect then is that we will be a place of belonging. That we will, yes, presence is, is what we're pursuing in the Lord, that we want people to be able to encounter the Lord and, and in that way have a, a sort of revival atmosphere where nothing is impossible because we know that the presence of God transforms us. I believe that there is more to be seen in that, that we can see transformation happen in people's lives because the presence of the Lord comes into their situation, comes into their body where they need healing, comes into their marriage where their marriage needs healing. But we want to have a revival atmosphere in a relational culture where it's not just you and Jesus and there's no real connection other than that, but that we have a connection with one another. There's a place of belonging. A revival atmosphere without a relational culture isn't sustainable. There's really no way even to know that we've been transformed or that we've encountered God if we don't walk it out in relationship. Like, how do I know if everything, anything's changed in me if I don't have to brush up against somebody that bugs me? How do I know that I've been changed by the love? That never happens here. But how do I know that I've been changed by the love of God if I don't ever have to walk it out? How do I know that I can obey the Lord if he doesn't ask me to go do something hard with another person? Or So it's, it's encounter, but it's also belonging. We want to have that encounter atmosphere within a, a relational culture. If we have a relational culture without an atmosphere of account, uh, encounter, it becomes a social club. It becomes just another thing we do. Like goat yoga or something. It becomes like, oh, this is good for me. I feel good when I do this. I'm, yes, I'm signed up. I, I pay my weekly dues and I if it's just about that belonging without encounter, being at the center of it, there's no lasting change or transformation. It becomes people-focused and consumer-focused. So we want to have encounter and we also want to have belonging. That means I believe that there's ways that the Lord's calling us to strengthen our nets. That people come in, they may maybe somebody encounters the Lord through you as a friend or uh, at the checkout or at Winterlight Festival. 
They encounter the Lord through that. Do they have a place to belong? Do we have a way for them to come in and be part of the family? Part of belonging is that we're committed to creating healthy family together. And so we're going to do the work to be a healthy family. We're going to learn how to honor one another. We're going to learn how to, to speak the truth in love. We're going to learn how to serve one another. And then we're going to invite people into our healthy family and say, you can be part of this too. And so I believe there's a call from the Lord first to pursue being a dwelling place for him and then also to strengthen our nets, to have a, to have a place where people can come, not get caught. That sounds a little not like that. But a place where they can be caught like where they need a safe place to land and where they need to know that they belong and that they can be part of a family. People need a place where they can belong before they can behave. Can we be that place? I'm still trying to behave. Thanks for letting me belong anyway. So that's part of our vision and part of our mission. Another aspect of that, that of course, that sense of belonging is about discipleship. It's teaching people not only do you belong to the family, but you belong to the Father. That's what we were singing about today, this, this understanding. Do you know you will never feel like you belong to the family unless you know that you belong to the Father? You will never feel legitimacy in the family of God until you know that you belong to the Father. Because it doesn't come, because if my legitimacy is only in the, in the family of God, that means you all have to do it perfectly every time or my feelings are going to be hurt. You have to greet me or return my call in a timely manner or invite me or smile at me. Or, because if my belonging is connected to that, and that's where my sense of legitimacy is. We, we have to get it like perfect. But we're not perfect. We're learning. We're running the race. But if our belonging comes from an encounter, from that spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters, then not only can we rest in the security of belonging, even when Pastor Renee doesn't do it perfect, but we can help other people feel a sense of belonging from that place of security. I have a really good dad. He can be your dad, too. Okay. So that, that has a lot to do with discipleship and growing together. Another thing that we are called to like the church, but I also believe, like the church at large, but I also believe uniquely, is that we are called to be an equipping church. This is a church that believes that we are to equip the believers for the work of the ministry. That doesn't mean that we do a seminary and that we ordain everybody and that we make everybody pastors and missionaries. Guess what? You are a pastor and a missionary. 
You are in the sense that you have been called to do the work of the ministry. That that is the, the calling on each one of our lives as believers, that we would be equipped by the Spirit to walk that out. So we are not a huge platform church. We're not trying to build a platform around a personality or, or a, you know, like this is the guy or the girl. We are about trying to come underneath the body of Christ. So we have many ministers that are walking in the equipping of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what was ordained by God. And so we have a heart for this equipping. But even beyond that, I believe as Living Waters Church, we have a role and a mandate to equip the larger body, to serve the larger body. Much of what we do is not just for us. Much of what we do, we want to invite others into, not so that they can come and, you know, come fill our seats with yourselves, <laughs> but so that we can see the larger body of Christ equipped. Do you know that there are other churches that equip really well in certain things that we don't equip well in, necessarily? And that's awesome because we all have a race that's marked out for us. But there are things that the Lord has uniquely equipped us to equip in. And we are called to equip others. So part of that is we are going to host conferences. And we're going to host seminars with the goal of opening it up to a larger community. So that we can see the body of Christ equipped. We probably are not going to go and say, oh, look what that church is doing. We're going to go do that too. Why? Because they're already doing it. They're already equipping in that. But where we see places where the Lord says, hey, this is part of your race, then we're going to equip the body in that way. And so part of our role is to see to equip ourselves, to see us equipped. One of the, the ways that we're doing that in January is with the parenting seminar. Parents need equipping. I need equipping <laughs> as a parent. And we see that as a place in the larger body of Christ that there aren't always a lot of options. And so we go, okay, let's bring that because it's, it's a need, and so we want to serve. That means we're going to serve a lunch, and we're going to provide free childcare, and this is a way that we can serve and equip the larger body and the community. Really, if you have parents that are maybe uh, Jesus-curious, but they're not necessarily walking that life, I'd encourage you to invite them, because it'll be an opportunity for them to connect with the purpose of God in parenting. So we're an equipping church, we are a sending church. So we want to equip for the race, and we want to send and encourage and pray for and resource people in the race that they're running. We want to mobilize the body of Christ. We talked about in our uh, series of, on being sent that we are sent with a message. Every believer has now been sent with a message. And so we take that seriously, not just in sending in missions, but in sending you into your family and into your workplace and into your schools and 
into goat yoga. Don't go to goat yoga. But whatever the things are that, that you're, you're involved in, we want to, to send people. I know, I'm going to regret it later. <laughs> he knows, he knows. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to be like, I wish I hadn't said that. Um, and so we want to be intentional about that. We want to be intentional about sending and knowing that we're sent. We want to be intentional about for those that are ministering in other nations and in other segments and people that are ministering maybe within the population of those that are recovering from addiction or in the population in foster care and uh, adoption. We want to send resources and people. We want to equip them and send them into those spaces where the Lord is calling us. So, what is, really quickly, encounter, belonging, equipping, sending. Those are the things that we are running in together as living waters. That's the call on the church at large. There are some unique ways that we do that. But, but that's the call on the church. We have... Um, Leading up to Easter in March, um, we're going to be having a series on the invitations of Jesus, and it's just talking about what is it actually that Jesus is inviting us into. Conveniently, all throughout Scripture, he was making different invitations, like come and see, or take and eat, or take up your cross. But there were invitations that he was making. If you have people that are curious about Jesus, it would be an excellent time to invite them because we're just going to lay out what is the invitation of Jesus. And it's going to be, uh, I think, something that will help us each kind of come to the simplicity of what Jesus is inviting us into but it will help those that wonder, what is this Jesus thing that you talk about all the time? So the race that's set before you, I just talked a little bit about the race that's set before us. Here's what I want to encourage you in the race that's set before you. We already talked about it a little bit at the beginning. That your race is unique. And so as you're considering stepping into this next year, one of the things that you can do is you can celebrate how you ran your race in the year before. Where are the places that I am less encumbered? Where are the places that I have gotten rid of the entanglement of sin in my life? Am I less entangled? Not is it perfect, not is it do I look amazing running the race, but am I, here's a really good test. Are you still running? Woohoo! Like that's the celebration. Run with endurance. Are you still running? That's amazing. And you're coming into this new year with an intention that I'm still going to be running. You know, Brian and I like to run um, these extreme 5Ks. I don't know if we like it. We must like it because we do it. We're going to keep doing it. Yeah. 
So we like to run these extreme 5Ks where there's like mud and barbed wire and walls and climbing things and you know whatever else. I do not look good doing it. I have not won even one time the race. I've not finished first or even nearly close to first. Jay Bryan has actually finished like first in his age category once. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Wasn't that cool? See, yeah. Wait a minute. There's just four people in my age. Okay, well, <laughs> you didn't have to say that. But what I love about it is that I finished. We get a medal not because we ran it well or did it right or, or beat other people, but because we finished, because we ran with endurance and we didn't give up and we, didn't, we don't ever walk around an obstacle. That's our claim to fame. We're not going to skip any obstacles, even the ones with heights that I don't like. But, but that's, that is our celebration, that we would be able to say, I finished the race that was set before me. That as we go into this next year, let that be your intention and let it come from a place that says, I will fix my eyes on Jesus. I won't be distracted by what's going on around me, by how that person is running their race and that person is running their race. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. As we go into this next year, ask the Lord, how can I purpose to fix my eyes on Jesus in this year ahead? How can I purpose to stay focused on you? You know, we gather on Sunday mornings. This is not the race. I mean, it's part of the race. This is the cheering section. This is the place where we gather together to be cheered on in our race. You know, J. Bryan ran a marathon. Was that last year? Okay, yeah, thank you, thank you. And Susie ran a marathon last year. And I, it was a spiritual experience, I'm sure, for them. But it was a spiritual experience for us watching them and, for, and looking at just the whole process. And, you know, there's a ton of people at the beginning as people are starting, but people are kind of starting in different heats. So they're starting at different times. And then there's people all throughout the race. Some of them are there to give water and the little goopy stuff that's supposed to like, give you energy. There's not enough energy in the world for that, I'm just saying. But, but, but some people are volunteers just to cheer, just to encourage, just to say, you're doing a great job. You look great out there. You're awesome. You're amazing. Like That's their job, just to cheer. Some of them were really good at it. Like, I felt encouraged, and I wasn't even running. And that's our job. That's our role when we come together, that we can encourage one another in our race. Do you know what I thought was really interesting and what's been on my heart? The most people cheering were at the end. The most people cheering were at the end of the race where people need the endurance and people need the encouragement and they're, they're cheering them on. And you know, 
you know, we have some people, you have people in your lives that are at the end of their race. Can we normalize having the most people cheering at the end? <laughs> because the goal is that we finish well, that we keep the faith. And it's so easy at other legs of the race to be cheering for all the different things that we've done. But what a privilege to be at the end of the race and to be able to look at someone face to face and say, you have finished well. Can I share something? Sure. You have to turn it on. Okay. Hello. Okay. I just, uh, an experience, and I'm not sure if Susie, not sure if Susie experienced the same thing that I did, but you get to the end of the race, something like that, uh, a marathon, and um, you're in your own headspace. You're probably in you and God headspace. But you get to the end, and you're conscious that people are cheering. But I have to tell you, I couldn't hear them. I mean, I saw the faces. But sometimes at the end of the race, you can't hear it because you're so focused on trying to finish. And my encouragement would be, if you know, that, if you know people that are at the end of the race, and you might feel like you've been in touch with them, I might encourage you to just cheer them a little bit louder than you normally do because it's harder to hear at the end mm. than it is at the beginning. I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but... That's good. Nope, that's good. So, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus together. That's going to be our pursuit. That's going to be where we start and what everything comes out of. And we're going to be really good at cheering one another on, no matter what leg of the race we're in. I want to encourage you, those of you that are walking alongside people who are at the beginning of their race, I want to encourage you in the way that you encourage them and cheer them on and celebrate the small victories. They just went a block, but like it's the most amazing block ever. And for those of you that are walking alongside people who are at the end of their race, cheer them on. They are at a, at a this, is, this is the pinnacle. We sometimes think the pinnacle is when we have all of these measured successes. No, it's about finishing well. It's about being able to say, I kept the faith. If you're walking alongside somebody in the end of their race, I bless you with a spirit of encouragement. If you know somebody that's at the end of their race, I encourage you to cheer them on. Let that be the place where there's the most encouragement and the most cheering. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We thank you that we are not running a race that you haven't already run. That you know the way. You know what it takes. You know the challenges. You know the difficulties. And we thank you for your presence with us that we don't run alone. Not just that we have one another, but that we have you running with us face to face.
we purpose to come into this year as a body and as individuals with our vision set on being able to say, I kept the faith. And we just step into your invitation to run this leg of our race with you and with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.